This is the Wave Maker, Kyle Boone. And this is Shiloh. And, and you're, you're listening, listening to, to Wrestle Life Radio. Because you're smart and cool. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode 156 of Wrestle Life Radio. I'm your host this week, Kyle Polly, and I'm joined by Micah. How's it going, Micah? I'm doing pretty good. How about you? I'm doing pretty good. You staying warm up there in Nashville? I am. I like. Well, I say that I went out and played the snow with the dogs a little bit before we filmed or for recording. Uh, it was fun. We, uh, I wore them both out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The snow will do that pretty quick. Yeah, they they're having a blast in it, buddy. Not so much. He's our cocker spaniel, and he uh, doesn't like the snow. <laughs> He's not an outside dog for sure. But yeah. uh, so I he he'd been out earlier with uh, my girlfriend. She was out there with him. And of course, Rosie and Luna, the the lab and the Labradoodle, they wanted to go out and play. But Buddy came to the door and I opened the door. They ran out. And he was just like, no, I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> he turned back and went and laid down. So that's funny. Uh, it was fun, though. Did you guys get any snow? No, it's just, just cold. Been, it's just been raining here for like three weeks. Oh, and freezing. Yeah, I hate, I hate it. I hate it so much. That's what I was, I was explaining. So it doesn't snow up here like this, like every winter. I think it's been a couple of years since it snowed like this up here, like where it's like actual, like covering the ground. You can like walk in it and enjoy it. Yeah. Uh, but when it's just like, cause Stephanie's from Florida. She, she enjoys like, uh, so she's like been looking forward to snow, like ever since she's moved up here. And, uh, I've just like, I've kind of been a Scrooge about it. I'm like, eh. yeah, <laughs> but it's only because most of the time it's, it's basically the snow that doesn't stick. So it just gets wet. And then it's like cold and I hate like wet and cold combination is the absolute worst. I, I hate it. So I just like, I poo poo it every time it starts to like snow. I'm like, call me when it sticks to the ground and it's actually something. So I enjoy it when it's like this, but, uh, cause you can like walk in it and like play in it and stuff. Yeah. Uh, it's still cold, but like, at least it's not like totally, you know, it, like it's actually fun. So, uh, yeah. but it's been a couple of years since it's been like that. So it's been, yeah. it's been fun. I think I've only actually seen snow once in my life, but I guess that's a, a part of living in South Alabama. But uh, yeah, it is worth mentioning a lot of uh, talent was missing from the show this week due to the inclement weather, especially around Texas. Um, yeah. I think Ricky Starks blamed Sting for sending the snow down to Texas <laughs> so that he could not uh, come out and uh, be on the show this week. Yes. Yeah. It's surprising we still got Lance Archer. He must have been on a different end of Texas or something. But, yeah, or he must just be staying in Florida or something. It's, it's entirely possible. Um, but yeah, so that definitely had to... They, they changed the card a few times I saw during the week, probably due to that. But uh, yeah, I think it ended up still being a, a pretty pretty decent card. We got yeah. um, what might be the match of the year, and I'll talk about that a little bit later. Yeah, and full disclosure, uh, we're going to walk through the show, but I, I've already informed Micah. I did not watch the full show. <laughs> I had wasn't able to catch it last night and I usually catch up on it uh, the day we record, but I've, I'm switching jobs soon, which is a good thing, but uh, I've been slammed with uh dumb work assignments all week. Cause they are trying to, <laughs> they're trying to push you out. <laughs> they're trying to get, they're squeezing all the, the life out of me before I head out. Uh, but now it's, uh, it's not like it's weird though. It's not super busy, but I'm like going back and forth a lot with people. So like I, I've been talking to people more than I've been actually designing things, which is the more annoying part. But 
It's what it is. So. Yeah, people are the worst, right? <laughs> uh, but at least you did say you did get to see the match of the night, which is Luther versus Orange Cassidy, oh. a match we've all been waiting for. But we'll get to that <laughs> a little bit later. Yeah, so I, I did get to catch up some highlights. So I, I will, full disclosure, let you know when there's something I did not see because there was plenty that they don't show, unlike WWE, who basically puts the entire show on their YouTube channel. AEW does a good job of like putting the highlights on there, seeing you know, showing what you need to see. And, uh, so that's what I got to see, but, yeah. um, but we'll let Micah and I, I won't even get a, a grade this week cause it's not fair for me to, but, uh, Matt was there at the show, uh, but he's not here to talk about it, but, uh, Micah saw the whole thing. So we'll get into yep. it. Yep. As every week we're here to review AEW dynamite. Uh, the, the show starts off with Matt Hardy and Hangman Adam Page versus the hybrid two. This is one of those matches. They kind of had to move around a little bit. I think it was originally a four V four, but yeah. it ended up being Hangman and uh, Matt Hardy versus the Hybrid 2. Uh, this was basically billed as Matt Hardy got with Tony Khan and said, hey, we won our last tag team match. I think we're kind of on a streak. Let's do another match. And he's really just trying to snake his way in the, to Hangman's uh, wallet, if we're being honest, as we'll see a little bit later. But it is an interesting dynamic having... Uh, Matt Hardy working with Hangman Adam Page because apparently Matt Hardy worked with Hangman Adam Page when Hangman Adam Page was still a school teacher, which is crazy. Huh. So they've got a lot of history together. Um, when was that? Man, whenever whenever uh, Matt Hardy was working on the Indies before he came back to WWE, okay. Hangman Page had to be like 20, 21. Is that in between? Ago. I guess it was probably a good while ago when he was in between Impact and WWE because yes. they. Yeah, they did the when he was leaving Impact. They of course did the whole him and Jeff Hardy worked a bunch of indies and were going on the tag team title tour thing. Yeah, but gotta figure. I would assume Adam Page had been in longer than that. So that's that's crazy. I think he's. I think he's only twenty eight, something like that. He's quite a bit younger than the rest of the elite. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So that would have been. I mean, that would have been what eight years ago now, seven years ago, probably. Yeah, I guess so. so. Yeah, it's just time Time flies. I mean, yeah, AEW has been does. around for, will be close to two years. You know, they've had more COVID shows than they've had non-COVID shows, which is crazy. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so Matt Hardy has kind of wiggled his way into another tag team match, even though Hangman on Page has said he does not want to be in a tag team match. Uh, this was an okay match. Um I've, I've been vocal about it before. I don't really like the hybrid two. I don't. I know that Matt's a huge fan of them. A lot of people are huge fans of them. I'm a, more of a fan of Angelico. I don't like Jack Evans at all. I don't. He's a complete spot monkey. He doesn't pull off his moves. He doesn't sell. I don't like him. A lot of people think he's one of the best uh, high flyers in the business, but he just does not do it for me at all. As was evident in this match, I mean, if it wasn't miscommunications, it was botching moves. I mean, there's no point of doing spot after spot after spot if they're not fluid and they don't make sense. And that's kind of how his matches always come off to me. So I wasn't huge into this match. There was a botched Phoenix Splash by Evans. Uh, there was, I don't know, like a botched 450 ripcord, I guess you could call it. Uh, a couple spots where they just weren't in the place they needed to be, which is kind of what wrestling is all about. Um, but yeah, I... Matt Hardy was was down after the Phoenix Splash. He kicked out. Uh, Page came in delivering a double buckshot lariat. And in typical Matt Hardy fashion, Matt Hardy took the pin uh, from Hangman. So they did get the win. Uh, 
love Matt Hardy, big fan of Matt Hardy. I mean, he is what he is in the ring nowadays, guys. I mean, you get what you yeah. get. He, you get a twist of fate. You get a couple other moves. And I, honestly, I love the big money Matt character. I really do. And I think it's probably a better fit for him right now, especially. Um, but I don't know if I want to keep seeing him in the ring. Maybe I, I think he's better as a... This is a good role for him, I guess, because he's kind of just coming in, taking the win from Hangman on Page. He's carrying all the weight. I guess it suits him. I shouldn't. I shouldn't complain too much. Yeah, and I'm I'm kind of there with you. Like TH2 is, I'm a big Angelico fan, uh, just because like I first saw him on Lucha Underground, and man, they they made this guy look like a star. Yeah, all the time. he was like their big spot guy. Like he was just awesome. So when I heard he's coming to AEW, I was super excited. And I'd heard of Jack Evans. Um, I think he even trained with um, Brian Alvarez back in the day from Wrestling Observer because I think he has a gymnast background, which so does uh, Brian Alvarez. They they did gymnastics together, I believe, or they or either that or they trained together. You know, being from that type of world, so he is definitely more of a gymnast. Um, he he, you know, does the but yeah, like. I don't know what it is, but I'm kind of there with you. They've just kind of been a letdown, in my opinion. Like, I didn't know Evans coming into it, but I'd heard of him. And I'm kind of there with you. Like, he's not really doing it for me. Um, yeah, and I've seen Angelico in a couple singles matches in AEW. And they're always really good. He's a very good technical mat wrestler, um, which I like. But I'm just not at all on Jack Evans. Um, and I don't really like them as a team. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know what. I don't know if or what anything will be done with them. But I mean, I, I a lot of people complain about them being kind of the bottom of the car. But honestly, I think they're kind of where they need to be. Where, from my opinion, yeah. I mean, I, I understand some people probably like them because they do cool spots. I mean, they're and they are capable of doing that. But I mean, listen, there's a lot of teams on this roster, especially tag teams, that uh, can do these, you know, incredible spots. So you got to kind of bring more to the table. Yeah, like a 450 splash is not even that impressive anymore because half the roster can do it. Yeah. So. I mean, uh, yeah, so it's it's been a little bit of a letdown, and you, I mean, it's at least good to hear this match was okay for what it was. But yeah, it was really okay. yeah. And so the part that I saw, I I don't think they showed the match on the highlights, uh, mm-hmm. any of it. It basically went straight to the the last part of the uh, the segment after the match, um, which was basically Matt and uh, Adam Page got in the ring after, and Matt was talking about how you know great of a team they were and. Uh, well, the contract got brought up um, and he was, you know, talking about how it was, you know, 30%, but it wouldn't mean anything. They'll make a lot of money together. And Paige basically said like, Hey, uh, did you get a good look at that contract before you, and Matt was like, yeah, yeah, it's, you know, 30% or, and Paige was like, he had some saying that he was like, somebody, a wise man was told him always come with an extra pair of papers or your jacket or something like that. Yeah. And uh, he brings out the Jaguars mascot uh, with his, <laughs> I guess with the new contract to read over hinting that he had switched it out. And so with Valentine's day balloons. Yes. So Matt Hardy grabs uh, this contract and looks it over and basically <laughs> reads it and like reads it out loud and reacts to it at the same time as he's reading it. Like it was kind of corny, but you know, it was kind of hilarious. And he's like, Oh wait, this says it. I, I signed for a match of revolution against you. And uh, basically Signed a match uh, against Page at, Rev, uh, at Revolution, and if Adam Page wins, he gets all of Matt Hardy's quarter one uh, earnings for 2021, 
I got to be honest, they could have done a lot of things with this mysterious paper thing. And like signing a match is fine. But like, I was kind of bummed out at the result. I'm like, yeah. it could have been so much bigger. Like he could have like signed away his earnings for the rest of the year. Or like he could have signed over private parties earnings and like, you know, caused some friction between them or like signed Matt Hardy's earnings over to the dark order or something like, you know, there's like certain things he could have like, he just read that. And I was like, kind of a little, I was hoping was, for a little bit more. It was a little anticlimactic. And then not only that, so he, he says that and Matt Hardy's like, first he says that and then he's like, okay, well, you know, that's okay. But if you want to do that, why don't we put up your, you know, earnings or whatever. And then Paige is like, okay, we'll do that. And I was just like, you're kind of undoing everything you did here for me, Paige. Like, so yeah, I was, I was really excited last week for what they were going to do. And then for Matt already just to turn the stip, not only turn the stipulation around on him to where it's like, not just a rib on Matt Hardy, but he's, it's almost like he had foresight to it now because uh, Paige agrees to the match. And then he gets blindsided by the mascot who turns out to be Isaiah Cassidy. And then Matt Hardy says, TH2, I'll give you, what was it? if you come up here and beat this guy up. It's a random number. (laughs) Yeah, so uh, he comes in there and TH2 and Isaiah Cassidy beat down uh, Adam Page, which does bring out the Dark Order. They run in to make the save, clear the ring. Uh, Matt Hardy almost gets hit with a buckshot lariat, but he ducks out of the way and is able to escape. But yeah, like, it's fine. It's obviously setting up, you know, Dark Order and Hangman Page are still kind of tied together a little bit. They came out to make the save, but yeah, just for what they did with Matt Hardy and the whole contract thing, I was just wanting a little bit more with it, but it's fine. It's setting up a match for revolution. So I, I don't know. Yeah. It was definitely like a corny segment on Matt Hardy's part, but I, I honestly kind of liked it. Um, it was really funny seeing hangman get the upper hand on, on Matt Hardy. Honestly, the second first time hangman's had the upper hand in anything in quite some time. And he seemed quite pleased with himself, which I just enjoyed. Um, but yeah, it was a little bit anticlimactic just setting up a match at Revolution. It'll be really interesting to see how that match goes. It'll be either really good or really bad, I think. Um, but it does get Hangman on the pay-per-view, which I'm sure they were trying to find a way to do with his current uh, situation. But uh, yeah, it was it was a little corny. But I, I I did enjoy it, and when when the Dark Order comes out and saves Hangman, they come out through the face tunnel, uh, for one, and they actually had a pre-show uh, backstage promo, where the Dark Order basically said, they they just initiated their face turn right, like it's in full effect now. They basically said, hey, you know, we've always tried to recruit these people to get strength in numbers. We've always tried to make ourselves stronger, but we've been really kind of selfish. What we need to do is take people out of the darkness and bring order to their lives. And therefore you have the face dark order. Um, You also had five finding hangman's original email uh, to the dark order, which I thought was pretty cool. They really should have had this segment on the show replacing perhaps a match that comes later tonight. Uh, I think it would have been pretty interesting. But yeah, yeah, anyways, they're they're full on face now. They come out of the rescue. Hangman is is very well pleased by the whole thing. Negative one was with him. Negative one with his new custom mask that says negative one, which I thought was really cool. He like he like released the hounds from the entrance ramp. 
That was funny. <laughs> I think if you're gonna have him there, that's a really good spot to have it on. Just have him like there, you know, not really leading anything or or doing anything. Just having him there is totally fine, totally cool, and I think it's kind of funny. So I, I think it really works with the uh, with the Dark Order's current kind of goofy comedy face gimmick. Right. Yeah. After that, we had backstage Santana and Ortiz talking about how tonight will be their first tag team title match after being in the company for 18 months, which is crazy. Uh, they said the reason they've never got a tag team title shot is because of fear by the roster. And uh, MJF kind of takes the segment over. He takes the mic and says he still wants an apology from Sammy Guevara after what happened last week. Uh, mm-hmm. Chris Jericho basically tells MJF to shut up and that he saw what MJF was doing because he watched the show, as Chris Jericho has said before, he saw him goading Sammy week after week, and he says that some of this is MJF's fault, but most of all, it's Sammy Guevara's fault. And MJF pipes up and says, yeah, and Chris Jericho says, shut up, which I thought was great. Um, Chris Jericho basically says that Guevara's dumbest decision he's ever made in his life was quitting the inner circle, and that from now on, uh, he's dead to him. I thought he was going to say he made the list, but no, he's, he said he's dead to him. Uh, Chris Jericho, no, I don't know if the list is copyrighted or not. Uh, they had the <laughs> they had the knockoff list in early AEW at one point, uh, but Jericho is basically hyping up Santana and Ortiz, saying they're going to bring back gold to the inner circle, and uh, we go on from there. They had a little recap of the tournament matches from Japan on AEW's YouTube, and I'll be honest with you, man, I was super disappointed to watch those. Um, Matt, Matt, I uh, spoke to him a little earlier this week, and he was saying that he kind of enjoyed a couple of them, but he was really as well surprised by how low budget they came off. Did you see any of the clips of these uh, these Japanese shows? No, but I, I heard that they <clears throat> basically just had like a banner in the background that just said AEW. It was like looking back now, they had like a banner and that said AEW in like a basic like gym ring with like a curtain that you split to walk through like every other school gymnasium, local uh, hometown promotion you've seen uh, at the farm center. And man, it was just really poorly produced. Excalibur was the only one on commentary and I hate one man commentary boosts. I really do. People need to have somebody to bounce back and forth to. I get it. JR definitely doesn't need to be there. Tony Schiavone's not familiar with the product. I understand, but bring him a good job. He did a very good job for being a single man commentary booth, but I don't think that's a good setup for yeah. anything. For one, not only that, it was just super low budget looking. Uh, there was nobody there, so it was totally dead, right? And I know we've had to deal with that before due to COVID. And I understand uh, restrictions in Japan are different. Are different. I, I I believe they had fans at Wrestle Kingdom though. I don't know if things have changed since then. I know COVID's gotten worse since then, probably. Um, but yeah, it was just super, super dead. Uh, I wasn't super into, I'm not super into the Japanese style of wrestling, like the over-the-top, campy, uh, like super villain. I, I don't know, it, it, it reminds me of Power Rangers, honestly, like the, the kind of selling and everything they do. It's super over-the-top. I don't care for it. But yeah, I was super disappointed by this. Not only that, I was super disappointed to see them announce that Ty Conti versus Nyla Rose and Britt Baker versus Anna Jay will also be on the YouTube show next week instead mm-hmm. of being on Dynamite. Britt yeah. Baker versus Anna Jay especially, I really wanted to see. Uh, Ty Conti versus Nyla Rose I think will be a really good match. And it's a shame they they didn't find a way to squeeze this into the show. Um, we did get Serena D versus Riho. We'll talk about it a little bit uh, right after this, actually. 
But yeah, it's a shame that they they relegated some of these matches to the show. I understand you only have a certain amount of time before Revolution. You have to get things done. But, I mean... Just do two on Dynamite. Yeah, I mean, they could have two... two I mean, Britt Baker versus Anna Jay and Takahashi versus Nyla Rose, I think will probably be really good matches. Yeah, and especially with, like like you said, the travel issues that we're having, like, just throw them on this week and, and let them go out there and have a match. Because, I mean, this... This Riho and um, Sharina Deep match was pretty good. So yeah, and, and like and Thunder Rosa and um, uh, Lord, who did she wrestle? I'm blanking. Last week, Thunder Rosa versus uh, what's her name? <laughs> Layla Hirsch. Layla. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. she's they had a great oh, match. Yeah, so a good match. had a great match. So yeah, I don't, I don't see why they're relegating a lot of these because if you want to make the tournament a big deal, like you gotta present like it's a big deal and they're kind of dropping the ball in this first round. So if, you know, hopefully for sure, the Japanese size does not belong on TV though. If I saw that on TV, I would 100% tune out. Well, but, I'm, I'm hoping they upgrade it, you know, for the next, cause there's only the first round that was on YouTube, right? I think it's all filmed. I think it's already all, I think it's all filmed. Like they filmed it in like a day or two. Um, cause not only that, they've got to get the Japanese competitor that wins over back to America to quarantine for however long they have to. Yeah, that's true. Which I, I, you may not have to actually coming back into America. Who knows? We're kind of all over the place. Um, <laughs> I think you do, but yeah, it's um, it's a shame that they you know are kind of rushing through the Japanese, especially if you're if this person's going to get to the finals and you want to have some build up to the finals of this tournament, like just having it all on YouTube and yeah, it's not not the best way to go about it in my opinion, but. Uh, let's get into this match, the Riho Serena D match, because this was good to watch. Um, man, yeah, uh, good to see Riho back too, and man, she looked better than ever. Yeah, first time in over a year she's been in AEW, which is crazy. Yeah, she, um, she, her and Serena D tore it up. I really like this. This was one hundred percent match of the night. Honestly, this is one of my favorite matches of the year. I loved this match. Uh, I have not always been huge on Riho. Um, Mainly, like, I hate to say this because, you know, everybody's like, oh, you can't wrestle because of your size. But, like, her size has always been a detriment to me because it's hard to make uh, kicks and punches and all look really effective when you're 98 pounds. And that's not her fault. That's just who she is, right? Mm -hmm. So I I don't want to hold that against her. But this is the first time I think I've seen her and been like, oh, that's why everybody says she's one of the best in the world right now. This match was super good. Serena Deeb always has a banger. I have not seen a bad Serena Deeb match at all so putting these two together was fantastic uh basically over the whole match serena deep comes out she's got her neck her, her, her neck her knee brace on and commentary's talking about hey we talked to d before the show she's been having some issues with her knee that's why she's been out the last few weeks uh doc samson's look at it. she's good to wrestle but she's definitely got a bad wheel she's she's wrestling on and that was the story of the whole match uh Riho's working the knee. Riho hit a 619 at one point, which I thought was great. Um, Deep like really dominated a lot, but Riho was really good at reversing by kicking the knee, by tripping her up. And due to her small size, being able to uh what is it that that she does when she like bridges out of a pin? So cool looking. Such yeah. a, a great feat of strength, really. So much core strength to be able to do that. But yeah, she hit uh, Rios hit Serena D with a snapdragon suplex, which I thought looked really cool. Uh, 
she Serena Deeb has all these technical submission moves that I've never even seen before. It's crazy. But basically, yeah, one point Deeb hit her with a power bomb and locked her in a, the stretch muffler, and Riho yeah. turned it into a cradle. Like basically, the end of the match was just uh, just a counterfest. They were counting countering each other's pins. Yeah, um, they were just countering each other's moves. And uh, the only thing is they did a lot of countering at the end, which I really liked. And it, it was really clean. And even the final pin was clean. But if it were me, I wouldn't have went with this cradle as being the final three count because it didn't look the best. It was like... I think the reason they chose that cradle is because that cradle targeted the knee. If you notice, she's holding... I believe if the, it's the one I'm thinking of. Uh, Riho's legs are basically over Serena Deeb's legs with her legs like facing in the air, holding her knees down to the mat, holding her subsequently her back to the mat. I think her, I think it was like Riho's legs were over her arms and her legs were up in the air. If I remember correctly, because it didn't, it, that's what, I, that's what kind of bothered me. was that it didn't really involve the knee. Maybe I was but, looking at it wrong perhaps, but yeah, either yeah. way, super cool finisher. Uh, uh, what do they call it? Chain like a chain yeah, wrestling chain wrestling the, there were so many pins i'd never even seen before so so good this was 100 percent a pay-per-view quality match and not only that a very good pay-per-view quality match uh it's a shame that a lot of people had commercials in the middle of this match they did stay in picture in picture but i know it's not the same uh but yeah loved 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 this match if they keep throwing bangers like this this will definitely elevate AEW's women's division and to kind of compare and contrast, we always gave, or we always have, and a lot of people have, given AEW's women's division a lot of crap. So this week, AEW's women put on what I think is one of the match matches of the year, for sure. And WWE has a storyline where Lacey Evans is get, uh, pregnant and can't compete by 71-year-old Ric Flair. And Alexa Bliss is sitting in a pentagram summoning the devil. So, uh, <laughs> And Nia Jax is talking about her whole... Yeah, so take that as you will. Which is I, now a gimmick. Like it's yeah. it's her it's her I told role. you, I told her Vince was gonna run with it. <laughs> no pun intended, it's her whole thing now. <laughs> it's uh it's uh, all she's got yeah. Every every segment of because they were on NXT this week as well. And uh they're they're challenging the Dusty Classic uh winners, um uh Raquel and Dakota Kai. And I, I heard that uh, Raquel said something about her hole or something. And I, I think they said it on SmackDown, like it's just, they are driving this hole into the ground and uh, <laughs> it's just, uh, it, it is what it is. So she's going to come out with like a new Titan Tron. This is the whole show. That's like, it's going to be a new gimmick and it's going to be H-O-L-E. That's going to be, that's Vince is going to stick that to her. Oh um, man. But you know what? what also might- Botchamania this week. I would go watch it just because they have a lot of clips of the, the whole thing. Cause they do like a bunch of funny things as well. And then they do final, like, basically video-style memes at the end of the show every week. And, like, 90% of them are about the whole, and it's hilarious. So so great. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, so. uh, After after this match, uh, the women's match, we had a video package showing Jade Cargill training with Shaq. Uh, They they gave her a – well, first of all, she walks in the gym wearing, like, a denim bikini pretty much. And yeah, I was like she walks in. My wife's like, "That's denim." I was like, yeah, "What is? What is this?" Yeah, like she took a pair of short shorts and then cut them down to make this outfit. Yeah, uh, this is what you wear to the gym. So, well, then she did change it to some athletic wear. So it was a little bit. Um, she she did have some a change of clothes there with her, but 
first thing I thought was, man, I hope this is like, I hope the weather in Florida is pretty warm right now because <laughs> she ain't wearing that around Nashville for sure. Um, yeah. But uh, her and Shaq were training basketball, which I was like, I was, I was hoping they would have a ring set up there to like at least show them running the ropes or something. But nope, she was just practicing her layups and Shaq was cheering her on. That's yeah, pretty was, much it. Uh, at one point, Shaq did make a free throw, which is impressive for uh, He made a three-pointer. Was it a three-pointer? Yeah, okay. he, he shot a three, which he's done that before. Uh, it's v- very rare. I wonder how many takes it. that took. <laughs> I don't know. It's yeah. definitely easier in an empty uh, an empty basketball court than in front of however many fans are in an NBA game. So, Yeah, I, I don't know. Um, maybe, maybe they'll do a – because they shot this, maybe they'll do a – Cody and red velvet thing like they did with the, uh, who was it? The, um, Viking Raiders and, uh, <laughs> uh, uh I would love it. Street profits. Ne- I always forget their name. Yeah. I would love it. If next week Cody and red velvet have a segment where they're actually training in a ring and like, Oh, you play basketball or well, we're actually training wrestling because yeah. we're having a wrestling match. Well, makes sense. Be pretty interesting. Yeah. So we'll wait and see what happens there. Um, after this, we had uh, Orange Cassidy back for the first time in a while in a match, supposedly. That's what they kept saying. Uh, versus Luther, which was this a match they threw together pretty late? I, I didn't see it until yeah. very late. It was posted like a couple of hours before the show. I don't know why it was here. I don't understand what it did. I thought for sure, I was telling Riley, like, this is going to be a setup for Miro to come out and they're going to further that stupid thing. But no, it was just Orange Cassidy versus Luther. And that was it. I'm assuming it was because um, Miro and Kip Sabian could do something. I don't know. Like it was, Miro I do know. Florida, so I don't know. Well, so here's my theory. Uh, I'm, I'm not sure like what. So I randomly, uh, I heard that Johnny Manziel was in this stupid fan football league. And uh, so I like looked up a highlight clip on YouTube and I'm like 99% sure they had Miro on as a guest commentator. Uh, okay. Very random, and I don't know why, but I was listening to the highlights, and I'm 99% sure it was Miro that was on there. And uh, Interesting. I don't know if he was there, if he called in or something. If he did go, I don't think it was in Florida, or it might have been. I'm not sure, but maybe that had something to do with it. I have no idea, but it was know. just very random and weird, but... Very strange. Uh, he was on the show this week. Yeah, I don't understand what the purpose of the match was. The best, the best thing that happened in this match was Chuck Taylor got to hit an awful waffle on Serpentico. That's true. And that is one of the most devastating looking moves in wrestling right now. I love it. He only brings it out like once every two or three months, but every time he does, I'm like, oh my god, that's so good. Hey, Luther did a power bomb and he, it was fine. He yeah. didn't screw anything up. He Luther got beat. did what he was supposed to do in this match. He jobbed, and uh, he got beat by an orange punch. Yeah, that was, that was the whole match. The match was like three minutes. And like I saw people complaining like, hey, why do you have this on Dynamite and not Britt Baker versus Anna Jay? But I mean, they had a three minute spot to fill. Uh, you definitely would. People would have freaked out if they would have had a three minute women's match uh, between Anna Jay and Britt Baker. So it's not like they could have just swapped them out. Uh, I would have much rather seen Anna Jay versus Britt Baker. But at least we got that banger of a match between Riho and uh, Serena Deeb. Yeah, true. this match was was what it was. Yes. Uh, after that, we had a video package of last week's TNT title match, which I still really liked. Uh, we then see Sting in the ring with Tony as uh, Team Tash is on the big screen, as they do. Uh, they recap that whole thing. 
But yeah, so they open up this segment with Taz, Brian Cage, and Hook making their way to the ring. Uh, they call out Sting and demand that he comes out. Uh, Sting's music hits. He leisurely strolls out. And Taz tells Sting, that's the worst thing you could have done coming out of this ring. It's like, well, you just told him to come out, but okay. <laughs> so Sting comes out with the bat. And Taz says, you know what, Sting? You need that bat. You've held it as a crutch for years. You've never been able to be anything without that bat. And in the worst camera angle possible, I guess Sting drops the bat. I don't know. I couldn't see it. Uh, really poor choice there by the director. Yes, he tossed um, the bat. Yeah, he tossed the bat, but I didn't see it. So Sting tosses the bat aside because I don't know if you know this, but the thing about Sting is he's the dumbest man in wrestling. Uh, he always has been. I love Sting. Huge fan of Sting. Matthew will probably kill me for saying that, but I mean, uh, come on, man. How many times can you get turned on? How many times can you get jumped? And you come into the ring with a man who is inhumanly large in Brian Cage. Taz, who is, okay, I get if you're not threatened by Taz, but there's also a guy who's 40 years your junior as well, and you're going to throw your bat down. Okay, real dumb. Real dumb move there, Sting. Uh, Sting then throws his coat at Brian Cage's face and starts swinging away. And honestly, Sting looked really good here. He looked really athletic, which a lot of times when you get these 60-year-old men back in the ring, you're like, oh, okay, well, that's not the same. But I thought he looked really good here doing what he did, which wasn't Not much. only that, yeah, he, he I mean, his punches look great, but yeah. he was surprisingly, like, he, he finally got in the ring, which I don't know if I've actually seen them face-to-face like this. Yeah. Uh, he got up face-to-face with Brian Cage because, I mean, my first thought is, okay, Brian Cage is going to kill this man. He just dropped his bat. But Sting got up to his face, and I'm like, you know, Sting might be taller than Brian Cage, and he's pretty comparable in size. I mean, yeah, you, you know, the generation that Sting was in. I mean, when you see Jake the Snake Roberts versus some of these guys in AEW, you're like, oh my God, Jake is huge. Yeah. And he's old and, you know, probably lost a few inches. So when Sting got face to face to him, I was like, you could probably take this guy. And he was taking it to him. Like you said, he looked good, throwing great punches. Uh, and then Hook came up behind him with, uh, he grabbed Sting's back that he threw aside, mm-hmm. tried to choke him out from uh, basically put it around his neck. Sting knocked it away from him, hit him with the bat, but then Brian Cage hit him from behind. And he puts him in powerbomb position. And I, I told Mike this before the show. I was like, well, we talked about this briefly. And I was just like, my only thought was, oh, my God, please don't kill this man. Like, yes. <laughs> and I, I will say, Brian Cage, he powerbomb Sting. It, it was a... He, he powerbombed he, the crap out of Sting. He, he laid it in, but it was a safe powerbomb. It was it, very safe, but it was an impactful powerbomb. It looked really good. And the fact that 61-year-old Sting... Managed to make a power bomb look good is impressive. Yeah, so it. it I, I'm just ho- I was hoping Sting is fine. <laughs> he looked like he was okay. Yeah, uh, I mean, it killed him. He, he basically just laid there and was looking up at the ceiling. They had a ceiling camera to like. I don't know. This is not the best camera angle that uh, if you want to make Sting look good. <laughs> yeah, he's like staring up at the stars basically, and his camera is catching every bit of it. Uh, but hey, he got jumped by two guys. One that used a baseball bat. Brian Cage is a monster, so it was fine. Yeah. Sting got his moment to look pretty good, and you know, I was like, okay, he didn't die. It was, was okay good that it wasn't the same segment where nothing happens. It's true. So. Uh, it is. It is a shame to see Sting laid out like this. It, I don't know what their. I don't know what their plan is right here because honestly, they've handled Sting really poorly since debuting him, uh, in my opinion. 
And I think having him laid flat on his back looking up at the stars is a really bad look yeah. for somebody you're trying to make a draw. Especially with the overhead camera. Like, look how killed Sting is. It's somebody that is a draw. I can only hope that they're going to turn this angle into Sting being like, all right, I know I'm not quite what I used to be, but I'm going to go crazy. I'm going to beat you all with a bat, steel chair, table uh, during the street fight. I hope that's what he it turns into, or maybe it it's like Sting realizes, hey, I'm not what I used to be, but you know what? Darby Allen is still Darby Allen, and we're gonna focus on him. I think that would be pretty good. Uh, I'm yeah. not sure. I'm not sure how they're going with this. It's it's a weird look. I'm sure they've got a plan for something. They wouldn't just lay out Sting. I wouldn't think. I thought for sure, because uh, Sting's always been a mystical character, kind of like the Undertaker. I thought for sure we were gonna have Sting. Laying flat on his back, the lights were going to go out and come back, and he was standing up, like standing up on the ramp or something with his bat again, or, or like, or the lights went out and they came back and just a, a snow angel was there where he was laying. That would that would be pretty great, like a like a snowman, like Jack Frost. Remember the Jack Frost movie? Yeah, or Olaf. Olaf, yeah. <laughs> um, get the get the the zero to ten demographic. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but I don't know. We'll uh, we'll definitely see next week. I'm sure they'll have uh, Sting calling out Team Taz uh for the end of time so yeah uh, after that we then had eddie kingston backstage talking about how he wanted uh this three-man tag which would be the main event of the show which i think is a mistake um it was a good match i mean you had john moxley and ray phoenix in it uh which are two huge names lance archer big name eddie kingston big name yes but come on you had the titles on the show why is a random 3v3 your main event. I get why they did it because of the things that happened after. We'll talk about that, but I don't like it when the title is on the show and it's not the main event. It really bugs me. Um, but anyways, he's talking about how he requested this match. He talks about the history he's had with each, each guy in the match. Notably, notably Moxley. He's saying that Moxley is the demon he needs to get rid of most. He said he's tried pills, drinks, women. None of them will get rid of Moxley. The only thing that will ever cure him from this disease is beating Moxley. Uh, so we'll see how that goes later in the show. But yeah, we had a really interesting segment after this. We had Kenny Omega, and I know you say you didn't see this, so this yeah. is going to be all new to you. So I get your live reaction here. Okay. He is reading the Young Buck, the Young Bucks books to a classroom full of kids. Don Callis is there, and he's about fifteen shades of self tanner, too dark. <laughs> um, which is, uh, I'm sure, a hundred percent intentional. It's all about golfing he's doing. Yeah, uh, Michael Nakazawa is there as well. And uh, Kenny Omega's got the Young Bucks autobiography. He's reading it to the kids. Uh, Alex Marvez pops in from his pocket dimension, and he asks a question of Kenny Omega, and Kenny Omega's like, you know what, I've, I've got to do this for the kids, blah, blah, blah. And so he asks the kids if they have any questions before he starts reading the book. And one of the kids raises his hand and is like, yeah, are they in love? And then Kenny like looks at the cover of the Young Bucks book and is like, you know what? I can see how you would think that. I can see that. Um, no, actually, they're they're brothers. So I guess they're kind of they love each other in that way. And another kid raises his hand. It's like, does this book have pictures? And Kenny opens it up. He's like, yeah, yeah, it's it's got it's got pictures. Sure, yeah, what whatever. Um, but yeah, this is my this is my best friend's book. And he goes to read a little excerpt uh, from the book, talking about how. Kenny Omega and Chris Jericho at the Tokyo Dome changed wrestling. It was the biggest draw in uh, recent history for an American audience for New Japan, blah, blah, blah. How business went up drastically. He asked the kids, do you know what drastically means? And they're like, no, because we're first graders. And he explains it. And 
Kaus is then uh, Don Kaus is then like, you know what? We got we got to go. We got a lot of business to do. Uh, and then Kenny Omega just like checks out and is like, oh, okay. Um, all right. Well, I guess we got to go, kids. It's been fun. Bye. And he leaves the belt there, which is weird. So like him and Don Callis and Michael Nakazawa are leaving, and they, all the kids are like, no, Kenny, stay, play with us, play with us. And Kenny's like, oh, actually, I'm sorry, I've got to go, but you know what? You can play with Michael Nakazawa. And, and he goes over to Michael Nakazawa, Nakazawa's like, hey, kids, yeah, we can we can play. And they're all like, we hate Nakazawa. And they all beat up Michael Nakazawa. <laughs> and the segment ends. And honestly, I loved this. It was unique. I thought it was funny. I thought it was a great use of Kenny's character. Um, I'm not sure what they were trying to do, but I liked it. I thought it was funny and just enjoyable. So maybe he's trying to poison these kids' minds and get them on uh, get them on their side for whatever reason. Yeah, for sure. You know, the next generation of, of fans, or maybe they're just trying to get into that uh, zero to ten demographic we were just talking about. With, well, he actually did mention, he's like, yeah, I think we got the zero to seven demographic locked down. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it was, it was pretty cool. I'll have to go find it because it sounds pretty, pretty hilarious. It was, it was funny really. And I think Kenny did really good. And a lot of people say that Kenny doesn't have promo chops because a lot of times he's overdramatic, but I think he works so well as a heel. The only uh, thing I feel like just, just hearing from your um, recap of it, the only thing I feel like was missing was like, the good brothers coming in and, and talking about sexual things and Kenny having to rush them out of the room. Shaking their shaking their belts, yeah. Yeah. Gosh, I hate the good brothers. I really do. <laughs> um, I'll be honest. They've ruined BTE for me. I just, every time they're on, it's like, oh God, I got to skip this segment. They're they, not- They definitely ham it up. <laughs> they're not for me at all. Uh, anyway. I, I, lo- I love them. <laughs> we have Santana and Ortiz coming out to challenge the Young Bucks for the AEW Tag Team Titles. Uh, the- Inner Circle is their ringside with Proud and Powerful. You know, I, we talked about this last week when they set up this match, and we we went into detail about how it's kind of weird that the whole thing is like the Inner Circle. They 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 named Jericho and MJF the tag team. They won the Battle Royal over their other teams. It's really weird that they're giving this to Santana Ortiz. It, we, I was so bent out of shape about it because I was like, it's just really kind of throwing a wrench in the whole story of, you know, the, I didn't even think about it. And I, I heard about it later, and I was like, you know what? That is absolutely right. I was so wound up about you know the inner circle thing. I didn't even think about this. The whole story on the Young Bucks side was, man, it sucks we didn't win this battle royal because we wanted to have a match with you guys, the Good Brothers. And they're like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. we we wanted. I mean, you could say that the Good Brothers probably don't want the match, and they're trying to not you know prevent the Young Bucks from winning it. But the Young Bucks certainly want it, and they're like, if you're executives and you can just hand out tag matches like you did to uh, Satan Ortiz, why not just make the match with the Good Brothers? <laughs> so, yeah. it, it's a little confusing, but it, they're, yeah, they're clearly setting up what happened at the end of the match because, uh, you know, that's the important part. This match wasn't really, it, it wasn't, you know, the greatest match. It was fine, but um, it, it, certainly the more important segment was what was com- coming after, but uh, yeah, if you want to continue what actually happened in the match, Micah. Yeah, so you've got the inner circle ringside, and uh, basically, Proud and Powerful controlled the match pretty much early on. Like they 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 had it right. Uh, right. They kept Nick from tagging in Matt. They just worked Nick over and over and over. Uh, but MJF tried to do a little bit of dirty work, and that interference caused not only MJF but the entire inner circle 
to get uh, called out of the match. They're banned from ringside, basically. So that leaves Proud and Powerful to go it alone against Matt and Nick Jackson. Uh, they they kept isolating Nick throughout the commercial break, which I thought was really, really smart. I thought that Proud and Powerful looked really good in this match. Uh, basically, Nick finally got the tag into Matt, who comes in with the hot tag, which is flipped from their normal roles. Usually Matt takes most of the heat, and, and Nick makes the hot tag. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, Matt came in, he exploded with just a great hot tag. He's laying on everybody. Um, the basically proud and powerful recovered a little bit, managed to cut off, uh, more bang for your buck. And Santana hit, I think Matt with a Falcon, an avalanche Falcon arrow from the top rope, which I thought for sure would have been the match. That was a crazy looking move. Really, really impressive looking move. But it didn't. They uh, they kicked out. Uh, Matt and Nick Jackson have Santana for the BTE trigger, but Santana managed to dodge it, and Matt and Nick actually hit each other in the legs, which is most of their offense. Uh, they they get Santana and Ortiz out for the sweep uh, the street sweeper, and I thought for sure at that point that was it. But no, Matt managed to come in, break the pin up at the very last segment, a very last second. Uh, Santana and Ortiz come out and powerbomb Matt Jackson into the audience. So Nick is completely alone in the ring. And I thought, okay, this is it. Proud and Powerful have the belts, which is what I wanted. I wanted Proud and Powerful versus uh, Chris Jericho and MJF at Revolution. I love yeah. the Young Bucks. That's what you said titles. last week. They can get the titles back later. But uh, Ortiz goes back in the ring, rolls back in the ring after eliminating Matt from the match, basically. He got thrown into his parents, pretty much. His parents were at ringside. Yeah, Mama and Nick, uh, or Mama and Daddy Jackson. Yeah. Uh, But yeah, so Ortiz rolls into the ring, and Nick gets the surprise roll-up for the win. Santana was there. He could have broke it up, but he didn't. This this ending was not... uh... This was such a good match, spoiled by such a dumb ending. Yeah, I was. Not only that, like you, you described it correctly, but also um, they were like on the apron after they powered uh, powerbomb Matt into the crowd, and uh, they they were on the apron, and I believe it was Ortiz. Uh, I can't remember which one it was, but one of them stood up on the apron and said, "We are the greatest," or something like that. That was, that was Ortiz, yeah. The best, the best, yeah. the best. That's what he does. And he gets in the, the ring and immediately gets rolled up. And like you said, like there are so many spots within this match that were really good. And were, I mean, could have been finishers. You know, they could have been match enders. And then for it to just kind of end up in a roll up when they were like in complete control, it just kind of was a dud. So I, I was not a fan of this ending at all. Yeah, really, really dumb ending. They did show in the middle of the match – uh, Kenny Omega was watching the TV in a WWE fashion, which makes sense since he is the WWE champion, as said by JR on the show. Uh, JR did have a little bit of a slip-up, but I'll give him that because, as you can see, I have plenty of slip-ups myself. If you're uh, recording yourself at any amount of time, it's going to happen. He worked for WWE for how many years? Uh, it was bound to happen. I don't fault him for it, but I do think it's funny. Uh, but yeah, Kenny Omega standing sideways in like the worst-looking shirt I've ever seen. I don't know what he was doing. <laughs> for uh, it's like a blouse had, yeah it looked like a like it was a blouse barn or something i don't know yeah, he was uh he was dressed very he, unique tonight he's getting that heel heat from these outfits for sure yeah i kind of like it uh, yeah, i'm into it he's there with uh don Callis and the good brothers 
But after the match, the entire inner circle comes out and just lays into the Bucks. Uh, Kenny Omega is backstage and like, okay, guys, we gotta go, we gotta go help him. And Don Callis is like, no, 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 we don't need to get tied up in this. You're the champion, we can't do this. And Kenny's like, well, well, uh, good brothers, you need to, you need to go out there. They're our friends. Blah blah blah. Brandon Cutler comes out really quickly to to uh, tip to save the young bucks, but uh, he gets beaten down, murdered, just just straight up murdered <laughs> by Jake Hager. And, I can't wait to see it on BT next week. <laughs> yeah, it was it was pretty great looking actually. Um, they then had Doc Gallows and Carl Anderson come out way late. Kenny Omega never came out uh, to chase the heels off, which I thought was interesting. Uh, they're definitely trying to push the the chasm between the Young Bucks and Kenny Omega. Interesting to see where this will go. Uh, but yeah, I thought it was a good match. Poor ending. Santana Ortiz should have won, but I mean, I guess I get it. I don't know. The only thing that like, so like you said, Kenny was you know, telling the good brothers to go out there and save them. They were kind of reluctant. They took their time. Don Callis was like taking his time to send them out. And the only, the only thing that I kind of hope they don't do. Uh, so they did this in new Japan. They had uh, Kenny Omega when he was taking over the bullet club, always had a, a soft spot for, um, uh, uh, God, what's his name? I'm blanking tonight for whatever reason. Uh, the golden, boys or whatever they're called okada? the lovers okada no not okada it was um kota abushi yes yeah i always get them mixed up oh, i'm so terrible tonight so, i know I, like i'm picturing in my head but it, like names are blanking on me tonight uh abushi he's he always had a soft spot for him because you know they were the golden lovers they were you know tagged him for so long and it, it kind of drove a wedge between the rest of the bullet club and kenny omega and omega would always go out there and save him uh and he wouldn't harm it was like he he protected you know, protected him specially and, you know, everybody else he didn't care for, but, you know, for Abushi, he would not attack him. He would save him and that kind of things. I'm kind of feeling like he, they might be teasing that with like him and the young bucks. Like he won't fully turn on them. Like he's always kind of, he's obviously being influenced by Don Callis. He won't turn on them, but I've enjoyed Kenny Omega, but I think if he goes full heel and turns on the young bucks, it will, 100% sell for me. I really don't want to see them like basically like be half pregnant with this, you know, heel turn of like, yeah, like I'll screw everybody else over, but I'm still going to, you know, young bucks are still my best friends. I'm still going to, you know, like this is wrestling. You could turn on your best friend. I mean, we've seen how many times we've seen Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn like kill each other, but we still know they're best friends at the end of the day. Like I, I want Kenny Omega to go full blown, like turn on him. Like, I don't want this to turn into like a, like he can pretend like he's their best friend like now, but I, I at least eventually want to see him turn on these guys and actually, you know, kind of put them down or something and, and move away from them. If they're going to do the good brothers thing with them and Don Callis, if they're going to go hundred percent, I think that he should turn on them like fully eventually. Yeah. I, I don't know what they're doing, man. Cause like the whole young bucks thing recently, like their lead up to FTR, they were heels and their face. I don't know. It's, it's confusing. It really is, uh, which is a shame. But uh, after that, we had a gender reveal for Brandy Rhodes. Uh, her and Cody come out, and Cody gets pink pyro. So it is a girl. They're having a little girl. Congratulations to them. And then Cody gets on commentary for the next match. And they also announced for Revolution, there will be a face of the Revolution ladder match for a shot at the TNT Championship. 
There are six wrestlers in the match. Three have been announced so far. Cody, Scorpio Sky, and Pentagon. So already that is going to be shaping up to be a very good match. Uh, I am really excited about that. I like ladder matches. And I am really excited to see who the other three are. Maybe we'll get Sean Spears back. I don't know. I missed him. I like him. He needs to be back on TV. But apparently he quit, air quotes. Um, and then the whole Brody Lee thing happened. So I know he was really close. Maybe he's just taking some time off for that. Uh, but yeah, I will be glad to see him back. And I would love to see him in that match. Mm-hmm. But after that, we have Matt and Mike Seidel versus FTR, Real Life Brothers, Matt and Mike Seidel. Uh, first appearance as a tag team. Uh, I think it may be Mike Seidel's first appearance at all in AEW. Yeah, I, I think we mentioned this last week. I didn't even know he had a brother, Matt. Uh, yeah. So this was a surprise when they announced it. I was like, wait, what? Yeah, he's so, his uh, younger brother. They look identical, pretty yes, much. Yes, they're definitely uh, Seidel's. Their hair is done. Yeah, no question about it, but I just didn't know he existed. Yeah, so... I don't know, like, it was pretty obvious that Mike is le- less experienced than, than Matt, for sure. Uh, there was a lot of effort in this match, but there was a few spots that just didn't quite work. Uh, there was even an injury scare at one point that Cody Rhodes mentioned. But yeah, it, it wasn't a super good match, in my opinion. It was just a fine match. Uh, I mean, I know a lot of people like Matt Seidel. I haven't been super impressed with him since he came on either, um, especially his promo work. But I mean, that's not really why people... I gravitate towards him, I know. Right. But yeah, it was it was just it was a match. Yeah, uh, I, I definitely didn't see any of this because this was not part of their highlights, but yeah, it um, wasn't a highlight. <laughs> yeah. Uh FTR ended up winning with the big rig. Uh but after the match, uh FTR is teasing cutting Mike Seidel's hair because uh the doctor, Doc Sampson, came into the ring to check on Mike Seidel after the match because he was apparently kayfabe injured. And he brings his medical bag into the ring. And FTR steals his medical bag and takes the shears from his bag and is holding Mike Seidel's ponytail up. And they're going to cut it. The lights go out. And on the screen, you see the hornless mask of Luchasaurus. Uh, You see a shadow appear and then turn. And then the horns are revealed. Luchasaurus has obviously got a new mask. And the lights come back on. Luchasaurus, Jungle Boy, and Marco Stun are all in the ring. Jungle Boy gets Harwood in the snare trap. Harwood is tapping, just as he did previously. Luchasaurus flattens Wheeler with a choke slam, which I thought was really good. Marco Stun is dancing, because that's what he does. Was he flossing? Yeah, probably. Um, <laughs> yeah, it was a really, really cool little spot. I hope we get FTR versus Jurassic Express at Revolution. Sure I think will. that would be good. Luchasaurus does have a new mask. It looks very similar to his old mask, but the important things that I noticed was there was additional support because one of my big issues with Luchasaurus is he can't really do too much without his mask getting in the way uh, or having to adjust his mask. Like he'll do one move and then have to adjust his mask because it falls off. Um, but it's got like three straps on it now. It looks like Rey Mysterio's half mask um, in the back, but the front looks pretty much the same. It's a little bit different. It's It's green with the golden highlights as normal cool. uh, looks a little bit more solid but yeah I'm, I'm glad to see he didn't veer too much from his previous design i mean it looks almost identical just a little bit of an update that's cool but yeah. uh, i know they were talking about getting a new mask and i was kind of scared that it was going to look crappy yeah same here and it was funny because they they actually wrestled on dark this week and uh 
I was surprised because Luchasaurus came out and he was wrestling in his mask with like the horns cut off. Yeah. Yeah. I saw that too. It was, it was kind of crazy keeping yeah. that kayfabe alive. Yep. So um, he did work a match with the, the messed up mask, but yeah, I, I'm, uh, I'm glad he's got a new mask. Hopefully it, like you said, fits better than the other one, but also glad they didn't alter the design because it looks awesome the way it is. Yeah. Uh, after that, we have a backstage segment where John Moxley says that Eddie Kingston has always had a stick up his butt and he's always had problems with all of his partners. Moxley says he's probably the only person that still cares about Eddie Kingston, but you know what? If this is what he wants, he'll whoop his butt again. Uh, Moxley then notes that on February 26th, he's got a match against Kenta, but then after that, he's coming for Kenny Omega's AEW World Championship. Decent little promo by Moxley, as always. Uh, but then that leads us straight into the main event of the evening, the six-man tag team match. It opened up crazy, as you would expect. Uh, everybody actually came from the side entrance on Moxley's team, which I thought was kind of cool because Moxley obviously doesn't come out of the regular tunnel. But yeah, they all came from the side entrance, and they just kind of waited there for Moxley. Uh, Ray Phoenix had a really cool samurai ring entrance gear that was pretty cool. But yeah, they... Uh, they all rush into the ring, immediately start fighting. Uh, they're all over the place. <clears throat> the heels are targeting Archer, working him over. Uh, he gets some really good offense against the Butcher and the Blade with a crossbody. Uh, just it, this match was pretty crazy. It wasn't. Uh, it wasn't the best combination of these two uh, air quote teams I've seen. Uh, I I don't super love these these multi man matches, but I thought it was decent. Uh, probably at best, really. But yeah, they're keeping the rivalry alive. A lot of stuff happened. Phoenix was ridiculous as always. He's inhuman with the stuff he can do. Uh, I want Ray Phoenix versus Kenny Omega versus John Moxley in a triple threat match. Uh, I don't think we're gonna get that, but I that think would that be would insane. be so good. Yeah, so so good. Uh, Kingston hit Moxie with a back fist, but somehow Moxie was able to recover, hitting him with a paradigm shift. His beard absorbed it, according to Excalibur. Yeah, uh, interesting way to put that, Excalibur. <laughs> uh, they also had an awesome spot where um, they, so I think it was Butcher and Blade got knocked on the outside, and Phoenix was going to the top rope to you know jump on him, as he normally does, but Lance Archer was on the apron, and he's like, no, no, come here. Yeah. <laughs> Phoenix like, what? He walks up to him and Lance Archer just like slaps his neck, gets him in the choke slam position, and Phoenix is like, oh God. And Archer just picks him up and hurls him onto Butcher and Blade, knocks yeah. him all down. It was awesome. And then uh Phoenix picks Butcher and Blade up, held them as Lance Archer did the like rolling cannonball off the apron. I loved it. I'm such a huge Archer fan right now. And yeah, Phoenix really is awesome. Good. The only thing, so as you said, uh Moxley's beard absorbed the uh, back fist by Kingston. Yeah. was able to hit him. Uh, I was afraid he killed the man with a paradigm shift, basically dropped him on his head. Uh, it was very dangerous looking, but I'm believing King Tink Kingston was able to tuck his neck and do it safely. But man, it looked like he was about to get dropped on his head. Um, and Moxley was able to pick up the win with a paradigm shift. Um, but after the match was over, the good brothers immediately run out and start attacking Moxley followed by Omega and uh, Callus was out there. Omega had the mic. Um, he talked about how Moxley looked pathetic. He was being held by the Good Brothers the entire time. He had on these like boots that were like shiny. They were like cowboy boots. They were red. No, they were like cowboy elf shoes. I don't know what was going on. They yeah, were like, like super pointy. 
Yeah, they talked about how much of a weapon they were, and he actually never used them as a weapon, which I was kind of disappointed in. Yeah. Uh, he was just like V-triggering the crap out of uh, Moxley, uh, just like killing this guy. And uh, basically talking about how Omega points out how Moxley had a clause in his contract for a rematch. So he said he's a getting man. He will give it to him, but he remained stipulation. Said the only way I'm going to get rid of you is if I kill you, essentially. So he says... We're going to make this an exploding barbed wire death match, which if you're not familiar is a classical Japanese match. Yeah. Where, uh, there's like barbed wire is a ropes, Mm -hmm. um, which I'm going to be surprised if they actually do that. If, unless they do like barbed wire, but I guess they're going to go full blown with it. I don't know, but Kenny Omega said that real barbed wire is better than fake barbed wire when he was talking about their full gear match. So if they're doing barbed wire, it's probably going to be real barbed wire. Well, I was wondering if they might like wrap them around the ropes or something or. Yeah, that would be actually kind of cooler in my opinion than having the barbed wire ropes. Cause you could still. Uh... You can't, yeah. You can't really throw your opponent off of them. They, Cause they just basically stick to them. <laughs> It, but yeah, but it makes it more of a, you can work more if it's actual ropes. I feel like there's more stuff you can do. Right. So I'll be interested to see what they do, but essentially. But the whole thing about exploding barbed wire is when you get thrown into the barbed wire ropes, it explodes. Yes. So how do they do that? I don't know. Yeah. But it'll be interesting to see. To see. Uh, I was looking up some, so I, I had no idea what this match was. I know that it was a thing, but I've never seen one because I've never really watched any Japanese wrestling. So I watched a match with Terry Funk uh, doing an exploded barbed wire match, and it uh-huh. looks ridiculous. Yes. Um, I'm sure it'll be really fun, and I'll like it because I like hardcore matches. Um, like I was talking to Matt, Carroll, and Riley earlier. I'm not sure that Carol's going to super love it. Uh, that's not her thing. Probably not. But uh, we'll, we'll see. Uh, a lot of people had some really good points, though, saying that, you know, this is kind of dumb for Kenny to call out Moxley in a death match. But if you look at it, an, a, a barbed wire death match has a lot of technical wrestling because you can't use the ropes. Uh, well, you can, but it, it, if you can control the mat and keep people from the ropes and if you're a really good technical wrestler, this could actually be really beneficial for Kenny Omega. So we will for sure see. Um, I'm curious how far they're going to go on this though, because it's still AEW, not ECW, not GCW, not FMW. This is still a company that has to, you know, answer to executives, even though it's not quite like WWE standards and this is on pay-per-view, I get it, but does TNT want what is essentially their product to be too crazy? I don't know. We'll see. Um, they've gotten pretty crazy before, so... Yeah, the full gear match was super crazy. I really loved it. I loved that match. Um, I mean, they had to do something, right? They couldn't just have Moxie versus Omega in a regular match. But you know what? I, I'm looking forward to it. I, I, I can't imagine it'll be bad. I mean, in any way, shape, or form. Mm, yeah, I'm, curious, I'm sure it'll be good. But... I'm curious if they're going to bring out like light tubes and all that kind of crazy CZW stuff barbed wire wrapped tables or if it's just going to be a match where the rings are barbed wire or the the ropes are barbed wire and they explode i don't know kind of like if anything i would hope that omega would be like a because the gimmick is he's a you know conniving heel with don Mm -hmm. Callis, and you know typical wrestling heels want to get the advantage you know so they could keep on to their title and everything so uh 
so you think he would do some type of gimmick match where the good brothers can get involved if need be. But if the ring is surrounded by barbed wire, it kind of at least lends the idea that they're not going to be getting involved. And so, uh, yeah, it's kind of going against, as you said, it's kind of going against, you know, the concept of the heel Omega. Like, why is he making this match instead of like Moxley? But yeah. Yeah. So the whole thing was, uh, Tony Khan said on impact on his uh, little taping thing that he does there, the ad that he had a special present for Kenny when he got to dynamite this week and Kenny comes out and he says, Hey, you know what? Uh, apparently I got a late Valentine's day present or you got a late Valentine's day present. Uh, Tony Khan has a rematch clause now that we have to have a match. And you know what? I'm fine with that. I'm going to give you that match. I'll give you that match at revolution, but I'm going to pick the match. So he didn't set up the match happening, but he did pick the match, which is, Odd a little bit because he did lose the match at full gear, the hardcore match, the unsanctioned match. Mm-hmm. Uh, also odd that the match at full gear was unsanctioned because they thought it would be too too crazy. But they're having a exploding barbed wire match, which will be fully sanctioned, I'm sure, for the title. Yes, it's a little <laughs> it's odd. A little odd. A little but odd it. But... You can't have the champion in a non-title match at the main event of Revolution. Yeah, uh, I'm super stoked for this though. I mean, if I wasn't buying the pay-per-view, which hopefully I'll be there, but if I wasn't buying the pay-per-view, I would buy the pay-per-view just to see this. So. It was also weird that, so they did the segment, they, you know, beat up Moxley. Uh, where did Archer and Phoenix go? They didn't show them, like, get taken out by Butcher and Blade or something, or, like, I. that was my one thing, was, like, they just had a match with them. You know, Lance Archer obviously doesn't like Kenny Omega, and especially Phoenix. So they didn't go in and help out Moxley. It was just kind of weird how they set it up. But I think Luke Gallows took out Archer and Carl Anderson took out Phoenix. Okay. I may be wrong. I, must have I just think missed that's that. what happened. It's possible. Uh, I, I might have missed it. But but yeah, it, uh, yeah, it's definitely an interesting setup. So, you know, we'll see what happens in the uh, bar bar match. But Michael, what did you think of the show overall? Uh, I, I have already said I'm not going to give my grade this week because I've didn't get to watch the whole show, so I can't completely judge it. But uh, in my opinion, I thought it was, you know, for what I saw, it seemed like a pretty decent show. Not not as good as it was last week, but okay. So what did you think overall? Yeah, I liked a lot of the segments. Uh, I thought a lot of the matches were mediocre. However, Serena D versus Riho was fantastic. So, so good. Right. Uh, I thought the Hangman Dark Order segment was really, really good. Um, Luther versus Orange Cassidy was there. For some reason, uh, the Sting segment was different, so I can give them that. Uh, Santana and Ortiz versus the Bucks was a great match, terrible ending. Uh, I think I really have to give this show probably like a solid B plus, probably mm-hmm. a B plus, mainly because of that D versus Riho match because it was so so good. I, I can't say enough how much I loved that match. But yeah, I think it's a solid B plus show. And we know Matt would probably give it an A plus because he was there and he's biased. Uh, <laughs> but uh yeah it's, it's probably what i would say if i you know from what i had seen uh it seemed kind of the story of the night like it's like pretty good stuff but you know it, they've had better shows for sure so um but yeah well it's we're you know getting some momentum heading into revolution uh starting you know cars starting to come together are they going to try to have the women's match final set up by then i'm, I'm guessing so since they're doing these matches on youtube yeah the um the the winner is going to have a match against Sheeta at Revolution. 
Yeah. So I think the finals will be that Wednesday before on the Shaq episode, as I'm calling it, March 3rd. So that's mm-hmm. why they're having to rush through it. They probably waited a little bit too late to be be doing this. Right. Um, you want to have a prediction on who you think it's going to be? To win it all? To 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 be the final two from the American side and the Japan side. Uh, um, I would imagine. We've got on the American side, Riho, Thunder Rosa, uh, Ty Conti, Nyla Rose, Britt Baker, Anna Jay. On the Japanese side, I think we've got Aja Kong, Ryo Mizunami, uh, Yuka Sakazaki, Emi Sakura. I think that's all that's left on the Japanese side. I may be missing somebody. There's, I forget who it was. There's a, there's a girl on the Japanese side they think could possibly be the the star coming out of this thing. Uh, I could also see Sakura getting through because she's, you know, she's she saw it in the first round. Um, so she's at least getting into the finals of the Japanese side. I don't know if she'll actually get to the finals of the whole thing, but um, I could see it coming down to like a Thunder Rosa Britt Baker thing and Thunder Rosa getting the nod. So I'll put Thunder Rosa. It has to be one person from the American side and one person from the Japanese side. No, but I'm saying like the finals of the American of the side American, being, oh, okay, I got you. I being got you. Rosa and Britt Baker and then Thunder Rosa would get the nod and get to the finals. And, um, I think it was um, – I can't remember the girl's name that I, I was hearing about. Um, probably Yuka Sakazaki, right? Probably. Yeah, I think that's who it was. So I, I would imagine her or um, Sakura getting over there, Amy Sakura. So Yeah. If I had to guess, I think it's going to be Britt Baker versus Yuka Sakazaki um, with Britt Baker probably going over. Uh, yeah, I think possible. Britt Baker should win the title at Revolution. But we'll see. I'm not sure. Um, Yuka Sakazaki is very good. She wrestled in AEW uh, before. Uh, she got up to number three in the rankings even at one point. And she had a really good match against Britt Baker where Britt Baker allegedly like ripped her tooth out. So I think they could kind of go back to that uh, whole ordeal. But yeah, okay. I think sense. that's probably what they're going to go for. Yeah, Maybe I'm wrong. I would honestly be – like any anybody in this tournament, I would be okay with singing at Sheet at Revolution. They're all just so good. I really, I really like them all. So we'll, uh, we'll see. But yeah, that's, that's been our show for the week, I think. Yeah. (laughs) So, uh, we'll be looking forward to, uh, next week. Um, and the, you know, the continued build of revolution. Um, I will definitely watch the show next week. Uh, is it'll be my last week of work. So I'll probably be not working (laughs) if I'm being honest, at least on Thursday and Friday, because those are my last two days. So I'll probably just be, on cruise control at that point. What are they going to do? Fire you? (laughs) Exactly. So, uh, uh, now we'll, we'll see, um, what happens next week. Uh, hopefully everybody's back as well. Um, of course, actually, are they taping a show again? Like they normally do? Are they, are they going to, cause they might, it might limit how they kind of. Next week's show is taped, I believe. And the third will be live. Yeah. So I wonder how the card will shape up with all the people missing, if they'll be able to get them in. in time I don't know. Or... It, it is interesting to me because Tully Blanchard is announced in a match next week, and he wasn't there this week because of the Texas uh, snow. And yeah. yes, you heard that right, folks. Tully Blanchard is going to be in a match with FTR versus the Jurassic Express. Oh, he's actually in the match? Yeah, Tully Blanchard is going to wrestle in a three versus three FTR versus Jurassic Express. Huh. Well, I guess if Marco's in there, yeah, it's going to be Tully versus Marco, and then everybody else is just going to figure it out. Yeah, so oh, that'll be interesting. All right. Well, we'll look forward to that next week, but 
once again, we want to thank you guys for joining and listening uh, each week. Um, if you enjoy the podcast, make sure you share it with your friends, share it on Facebook, uh, on Instagram. That's usually where we you know, make our postings on Twitter as well. Uh, make sure you like our pages and follow us there. You can follow us on Twitter at Rust Life Pod, on Instagram and Facebook at Rust Life Radio. You can follow Matt on Instagram and Twitter at Rust Life Matt. You can follow me on Instagram at Kyle.Polly. Micah shows up on the Facebook every now and then. Uh, and we always take questions from you guys. Uh, we have a message box you can send to. You could chat us up on Facebook, leave us comments. Um, basically, anywhere that we post, you can comment on there and we'll respond to you. We, go, we love talking to you guys. We need to do like a question bag so we can get more fan interaction on this on the show. But we might look into that and take some questions or something from the fans. So if you have questions, submit them to us and we'll, if we get enough of them, we'll, maybe we'll answer them on the show next week or start a segment where we start talking to you guys because we love hearing from you. I know we get questions on Facebook. So um, we'll have to see if we can get some more people involved in that and actually have like a discussion with like fan questions. I think it'd be pretty fun. But yeah, sounds fun to me. So yeah, follow us on there, guys. We appreciate you guys catching up with us. Share it if you like it. And we'll catch you guys next week. Do we have an indie focus coming up? I believe uh, we should. You, Matt usually posts those on uh, Tuesday uh, where he talks with indie wrestlers. So check those out as well. Uh, but other than that, you can catch us here every, uh, every Friday. And uh, we appreciate you guys for checking us out. And we will see you guys next week. Yeah, stay safe. See you guys.